Today's readings are Psalm 133 and Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Starting with Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings. It's lovely to be with you today. My name is Rupert Charkham. I'm the Vicar of St Michael's Church in Chester Square. And the topic of my talk today is, are you prepared for times of refreshing? Now forgive me if you're watching this talk and you don't actually worship yet with us at St Michael's, because this talk is rather atypical because it is specifically written with the family of St. Michael's in mind. Now everyone's most welcome to listen, of course, but it does have that slant to it. And what's been on my heart as I prepared this talk is simply this. For nearly all of us, I feel sure, recent months have proved to be amazingly challenging and testing. And I'm certainly not going to spend my time and yours rehearsing the particulars of how that is so, but it is so. But now we have the prospect of lockdown easing. We have marvellously encouraging figures of the decline of the impact of coronavirus. So it's still significant, but the decline. The numbers of us who have been vaccinated is going up. And the day is surely coming when we're going to emerge. And it does feel a little bit like we're emerging from hibernation, although I know we've by no means been asleep. And on my heart is the desire that as we re-emerge, we really need to cry out to God and say, Lord, we need your strength. Lord, we want to receive from you. We don't want to come out looking like a kind of ragtail group who only just made it through by the skin of our teeth. We can't help coming out looking as if we need a good trip to the barber or the hairdresser or whatever, but that's besides the point. Lord, please help us. And I want to, as I kick off this talk, just acknowledge you've done really well if you're still watching these online talks and these online services, because it's not easy, is it? It's pretty demanding. And the fact that you've even got this screen switched on means you're a survivor. So thank you and keep it up. Well done for keeping your spiritual disciplines in place. I, I have a quirky little hobby. I, from time to time, I just love diving towards books on my shelf which contain the sermons of Charles Spurgeon. Now he preached many, many years ago in England, but one of the quirky habits he had was to pick on one verse, just one verse and expound it. And in a sense, I'm taking a leaf out of his book by focusing on one verse in the main, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, 
where the promise is held out to us that God will refresh us. It's Peter speaking and he says to the crowd, repent then and turn to God so your sins can be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Don't you like the sound of that? I do. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so my very first point this morning is this very encouraging point. In the scriptures, there are seasons of refreshing. Just as there are seasons in the wilderness and desert wanderings, there are seasons in scripture where we're told the vision of the Lord was rare in those days. And Samuel records that. They must have been very uncomfortable times to be living in. But yet there are other seasons of scripture where the voice of the Lord and the vision of the Lord seems to be to a penny. Tom, Dick and Harry are receiving revelation from the Lord as the Holy Spirit is poured out. And they must have been exciting times to live in. We can see as we look at scripture that there are steps sometimes that people make before God refreshes us. And I have in mind three steps that I'm going to highlight today in the hope and expectation they will help us prepare ourselves for next Sunday, which we're designating Refreshment Sunday. And the very first step is this. From time to time in Scripture, God's people recommit themselves to following him faithfully. Or I'm guessing too, some of the people did this for the very, very first time. And this happens, you can think of examples, I'm sure. I, I think of the time when Joshua called together the people of God and he challenged them. Who are you going to serve? As for me in my house, he says, we're going to serve the Lord. What about you? Make your mind up. Make your mind up time. Or in the book of Nehemiah, when he gathers together all the people around the water gate and they recommit themselves. Or in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, when they too, they open up a scroll of remembrance. And those who wanted to put their name on that list to say, we want to stand up and be counted. And you know what happened? <clears throat> in each of these cases, God was able to move amongst his people with great freedom and to refresh them. I wonder if you've ever been to see the Niagara Falls. If, if you have, you know, it's, well, of course, it's a tour de force. But what you can't tell standing looking at the Niagara Falls is where the source of all this water is. And in fact, it's coming from some of the Great Lakes, Lake Michigan, Huron and Erie, apparently, feed the Niagara Falls. What's going on behind the scenes when Joshua and Nehemiah and Malachi bring the people together? Let me tell you, a sort of spiritual MOT is taking place. Each of those individuals allowed themselves to be scrutinized by God, to be shown by him what they needed to stop and what they need to start in their lives. Now, maintenance is not many people's idea of fun, is it? I mean, you know, no one really puts in their 
diary. Oh, I can't wait. I've got, I've got a whole weekend of household chores, maintenance to do. Well, if you do enjoy it, let me know and you can come around and help me out. But you know, and I know that maintenance is important. If you own a car, it comes with the rations. You have to take it to the garage and you hope it's not going to be too expensive. But if you don't, who knows what will have happened to the driving uh, capability or to the rust or to the brakes. We need to have it checked out. And it's not just a car, is it? If you own a house, you know such boring things as the drains and gutters need to be kept clear. And as you get older, you know that your own health has to be checked from time to time. Because to fail to do that, well, you pay a high price later. And our walk with God is just the same. To fail to submit to a kind of spiritual MOT voluntarily, well, little by little, little by little, we can be degrading. And that's entirely the wrong direction to go in. We want to be refreshing, not regrading, obviously. And our spiritual health is just the same. We want to make sure that we submit ourselves to allow God to do a kind of spiritual health check. And so this is the first step. I see they did it in their times, and I invite you and me to do exactly the same. In fact, Peter says as much, if you look at this verse in Acts, Acts 3.19, the source of renewal is repentance. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord our God. And that is the very first step. Let God speak into your heart and your mind. And he might well put on your heart new things you ought to do, new things you ought to commit to. And he might well put on your heart things that he wants to change in you. That's fine. All we want to be is prepared to be refreshed. To pray something and say, Lord, what areas of my life would you like to change? What am I holding on to I should be letting go of? What am I not picking up that you're asking me to? What about my character? Is it becoming more Christ-like? And decide in your heart if you're ready to commit to following Christ as closely as you can in the coming year. That's step number one. And you'll find that each of these steps that I'm referring to in this talk, they have a tick box on a form, which I'm calling a commitment form or a refreshment form, inviting each of us to commit in the coming year to taking these steps if you want to. If you don't feel prepared to, fair enough. There's a second step that was going on when all these people renewed the covenant. It's not just that they committed themselves to following God with all their heart individually. It's actually more than that. They committed to building up God's family together. They, they committed to walking in step. They were making a joint statement and of course it was very powerful because it always is when people unite together, one in spirit and purpose. And we're told in scripture when we do that, blessing always follows. Psalm 133 is so short I can read it in its entirety to you. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, 
running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if a dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Clearly, when God's people unite as opposed to tearing themselves apart, God absolutely loves it. And that's our second point of commitment for Commitment Sunday. Family life is incredibly important in God's eyes. And the body of Christ is far more than a collection of individuals, each as it were, peddling in their own canoe. No, it's much more that the family of God sit in the same canoe and pedal. And of course, that's the way that God moves the kingdom forward. And so we on Commitment Sunday, we commit ourselves, if you consider St. Michael's your spiritual home, to sharing our lives and expending our lives for the sake and glory of God together in this family. Paul described it to the Philippians in urging them in chapter 2 to be one in spirit and purpose. And that's what we commit to. I'm much heartened, you know, that that is exactly what is going on at St. Michael's. And it's greatly to the congregation's family credit that even while we haven't been able to meet together physically, there's every sense of rowing together and pulling together spiritually. Point of fact, we begin every single committee meeting of the leadership of the church, the PCC and the standing committee, very deliberately laying down our own agenda, very deliberately seeking the Lord and saying to him, we exist to please you. We want to unite under your call to serve you at St. Michael's. So we say to you, not that you need our permission, but we more than give you our permission to say, we're here for you, do whatever you want. In fact, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, to whoever you want. Because this is your kingdom we're building. Now when God's family unites like that, it has real spiritual authority. The good shepherd gathers his flock. The enemy would love to scatter his flock. So the second point of commitment is just simply that. Will you commit yourself to do all you can to build up the family of God at St. Michael's? And I very much hope that's a commitment you'll want to make. And the third commitment which releases blessing and prepares our heart for refreshment really follows on from the first two. It's a very practical step. It's making a financial commitment to use what God has entrusted to us to build up his kingdom, to be generous with God. Actually, I, I think logically, if we've committed ourselves individually to serving God, and then if we've committed to building up his people and his family, it, it's simply an outworking of those two things. Now, rest assured, I'm not about to get heavy-handed at this point. That is certainly not the point of this talk. But I do want to say a few things to help us as we do prepare in this dimension. Why have I even put a third commitment on the card like this, a financial commitment? Well, partly I've done it to make sure it's not just an airy-fairy talk. So that we're not just saying, oh yes, of course, I commit to that, I commit to that. 
oops, no, point number three, I don't think I'll do that. Because if we feel like that, you've really got to question points one and two. So it's to earth the talk and make sure it's got a practical application. But secondly, it certainly does have a practical application because the ministries of St. Michael simply couldn't happen without significant congregational giving. And so as we get together our budget for the year and as we plan, actually knowing what members of a church are going to give to St. Michael's to enable the work really helps us. And you'll find that uh, you've been sent a letter and there are details available of how St. Michael's plans to build and grow in the coming year and what it would cost. But what do we learn from the scriptures about attitudes to giving? Well, it always comes as a surprise to me, actually, that the pin-up people that the Apostle Paul chooses to highlight, I don't think we'd ever have guessed that it would have been them. They are the Macedonian church, and they're referenced in his second letter to the Corinthians. And why am I surprised that they're the pin-up people? Well, because, quite simply, he tells us in verse 2 of chapter 8, that it was in the middle of severe trial and extreme poverty that their joy welled up in rich generosity. That's, that's, that's not common sense, is it? Uh, we wouldn't have thought it would work out that way, would we? But it is how it works out. And here's how they went about it in verse 5. They did exactly what we're going to do. They gave themselves first to the Lord. First and foremost, we're talking here not about arm twisting, we're talking about people who love the Lord, people who are loved by the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. I can't resist saying, if you've not yet given yourself to the Lord, that's the thing to do. That's the takeaway from this talk. Forget all the rest. Make sure you're walking close to God. That will be joyful and refreshing like nothing else. But if, like the Macedonians, you've already done that, of course you will want to give to God's work. And this is the second thing they saw in verse 4. They saw contributing to God's work as a privilege, not a pain. They pleaded with Paul for the privilege. And then we notice about them that God loves, we're told, a cheerful giver. Actually, the word is hilarion, a hilarious giver. The picture is that as people give to God, they were, they were roaring with laughter. They were so full of joy. And that is exactly what God does love. He doesn't want his people to be giving through clenched teeth. And that's why this talk, at this point, I'm making pains. I hope to communicate that this is not arm twisting that's going on. Because we're told that also, the Macedonians saw it not as a grudge match, but as a grace match. This is a, an extension of the work of God in their lives. Paul wrote to them, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see you also excel in the grace of giving. And I would simply say that Individuals and churches that excel in the grace of giving scatter blessing in their wake. Lots of people thank God for their generosity. Lots of communities are transformed through their generosity.
So as I end this talk, I just want to urge you to take time during this week to prepare your hearts for next Sunday. Please try and find some time to be alone with God and to review your walk with him. Please try and find time to be honest with yourself and think to yourself, how is it that I'm going to build up the body of Christ at St. Michael's in the coming year? As we emerge out of lockdowns, we start to meet together physically. And what are bound to be rather strange circumstances? What am I going to do that's going to help us see God's kingdom grow? And thirdly, what about this financial component? Let's not be embarrassed about it. Let's not feel arm twisted at all. But what is God calling me to do? What is my response? And then next Sunday as we worship together, come hungry. Come expecting God to pour out his blessing upon you because that's exactly what we're going to ask him to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your commitment to us. We'll never get over the fact that you love the world so much that you sent your one and only Son for us. And we pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit to us that individually we would do business with you and allow you access into our inner lives. And we pray that we'd come together hungry for you, ready for you to move amongst us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You'll find online that there is a link to a commitment card which enables you to make a response. And I look forward to being with you next Sunday.